0: I'm Dylan Stafford, and welcome to Drive Time, UCLA Anderson's podcast about some of the most interesting and ambitious people in our community. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Welcome to Drive Time. My name is Dylan Stafford. I'm an assistant dean here at UCLA Anderson. I'm your host today. Uh, it is my great pleasure to have Ashley Merrill with us today. Um, as we restarted the podcasts this year, Ashley was actually the very first person I invited.
1: Thank you. Ah, uh,
0: because I think uh, her story is stellar. Um, it's inspirational, it's aspirational. Um, five years after graduating here, she's successfully running her company, Lunya, and several other endeavors that we'll talk about uh, that she started while she was here, while she started her family, while she was in the very first year of our Femba Flex, our hybrid model. Um, so you're a pioneer in many, many of living.
1: I can just go home now. It yeah, yeah. Great. I dropped the mic. Yeah.
0: So, uh, so I really wanted to capture your story and thank you for coming in. And um, thanks for having me. I thought maybe uh, we'll we'll sort of do a reverse telling of the story. We'll start with where you are now and go backwards. So, Lunia, uh, we're reinventing sleepwear for the modern woman. Sure. And you're doing it successfully. You have so many employees. Uh, tell us about Lunia.
1: Yeah. So I launched Lunia, and um, gosh. I start, well, I should say, I started working on Lunia roughly seven years ago, but uh, we are now today about 45 people in the headquarters and, and probably uh, another maybe 30 or so when you include retail. Uh, it's very exciting. We're based here in Santa Monica. Um, and we've been really lucky to, I think, have evolved a lot as a business. So we're now a company that is able to be uh, not just selling basic sleepwear, but really changing how people experience their time at home. Um, and we can do that with proprietary fabrics that are literally going to change you know, how your body recovers. Uh, if you're really a hot sleeper, we can we can change a lot. We can help optimize your time at home. So this has been a really amazing journey in learning what's even possible. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where we sit now and then recently we launched logo which is the male counterpart to that brand so oh, nice oh, something yeah. for the guys something too. for the guys oh. you know and it's a really interesting the sort of rationale behind why we launched it um, was because so I, I it's so funny because I've always been very motivated around female entrepreneurship we need to see more women that run businesses and um, and so, and I felt this problem so personally that I was sort of almost solving my own problem with mm-hmm. Lunia. Um, and it, I, not just because it was my own problem, but when I reached out to others, I realized there was quite a, a number of people that had this experience, this kind of gap in the market. Um, and I didn't really, it's not that I didn't think about it for men, but I just really focused on on women. It was the audience I knew better, you well, know?
0: Pick a, pick Obviously, a problem, pick a place. solve a problem. I did
1: learn that in business school, try not to do too many things at once. Right. Um, and so. Actually, I've spent a lot of my time saying no to things that Mm -hmm. that are um, on the offshoots. But Lago ended up being launched because men really wanted it. They were showing (laughs) up in the stores and buying things for their significant other. And we felt like, oh, they're. what about them? And they they kept saying, you know, this is amazing. Where are our products? And we really contemplated, okay, is this under the Lunia brand? But we are so heavily female. Mm -hmm. We speak to a a woman in, in such a familiar way that we would have to dilute who we are. And we also don't wanna have to dilute how we speak to men. The reality is when we started investigating the opportunity for both women and men that they want to be spoken to differently. The website UX looks different for men. They want bullets instead of paragraphs, like really amazing Like takeaways from that. And, and what is aspirational and what resonates with women and men was different. And so now we have Lunia and Lago, and it's been a really amazing opportunity to be able to kind of really understand two very different consumers who we can serve with one really great product.
0: Wow. Well, you know, people are gonna listen and they say, I wanna be like her someday. So before there was today, there was back then. <laughs> yes. So, you know, how did it arise that this is a problem? Sure. Maybe this is what I want to spend my life or at least a decade of my life, you know, solving? What was it like at the Genesis? What do you sure. talk to entrepreneurs about who are they think they have an idea or
1: Yeah, so Actually, it's funny because that connects very much with why I ended up going to business school, which is um, I worked at another company and I was an intrapreneur, um, intrapreneur. Okay. And, and I I, uh, I love that word and I am grateful for that opportunity. How
0: um, do you define intrapreneur? Yeah.
1: So it was basically um, that my company needed a they, they needed a media property that was targeted at moms. This was actually well before I was a mom and we couldn't afford to buy one. And they said, do you think you could build one? And I said uh i don't know but i am super happy to try but i say entrepreneur because i wasn't all the way an entrepreneur my risk was mitigated you know part of the entrepreneurial journey is risk you Mm -hmm. know and so here i had this incredible opportunity and this is actually something i advocate for a lot of people who say they want to be entrepreneurs it's like is there a way you can go somewhere or at your current job and find an opportunity to really experience what this will feel like for you get mm. sort of it's like training wheels for entrepreneurs so i had a training wheel opportunity nice. and um and it was fabulous i got to launch this company within um part of a bigger company I ran it like it was mine. I, I literally poured myself into it to the extent that I hired my mom, I hired my cousin, and not because I was like into like the incestuous style like of hiring but Go because nepotism. I had no money. Like I operated right. it from okay. a place of zero budget. I went, I know what that that I it's like it's like it was my own. I thought, mm-hmm. okay, I don't have much money because I don't have much revenue. How do I make that work? And I was like, Hey mom, you wanna get your feet wet in a new industry. I need someone to like just move a lot of shit across the, the, the road with me. And I think you could be a good person to kind of like help me push this boulder up the hill. She's like, sure. And the price was right. And so we did that. And my cousin was really into cooking. I was like, do you want to write content around cooking? And so it was just this like really incredible experience that I could pour myself into. Um, and so I learned a lot from that. After that though, I, I it was like, okay, I built that. I can't really go back to like doing my day job anymore because okay. that was so amazing. I felt like I... I could engage in such a passionate way that I've never done before.
0: Because you're calling the shots and, no, and you have creative direction. Or? I
1: cared about the outcome mm. in a much different way. I was mm-hmm. so invested in the outcome. And then I said, okay, I need to go find another thing that I can really care about. I I cared about the the... the the customer in that mm-hmm. scenario. I cared. To, I was so personally invested in a good outcome. Um, it wasn't like that I needed part of the financial upside. Even I was just like, I wanted to feel like I could build something with people. Nice. And so it was really, really an amazing thing. But after that, I was like, okay, I want more of that. That's a bit of a drug. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and so I said, okay, well, how do I find other cool startups that I could go work for? Cause I really wasn't looking to start my own thing. Um, and at that time, which is quite a few years ago at this point, uh, there wasn't so many sites that you could look for jobs at up-and-coming companies, and so I, I was having trouble finding early enough staged companies that were interesting. Um, and so I was like, "Well, I'm having trouble. Maybe I'll go get an MBA. I can learn some more general b- business skill sets, and maybe I'll meet somebody." I know there was like a high percentage of engineers that were going to be yeah, in the class.
0: Yeah, plenty of those. Yeah, you see, like. it was
1: great, and I was like. You know what's cool is I'm more of like a sort of BD marketing person. I could pair up really well with an engineer. My background's in online media. We'll build some kind of media thing together. It'll be awesome. And, and, or maybe somebody else will have some idea that I can like hop on or, you know, and so that was actually what I was planning to do in business school. Um,
0: and you went, I forgot to say in the introduction, yeah. you're a double Bruin. So you, I am
1: a double Bruin. You'd come I here to- before. This is t- totally. Um. And so I was, uh, you know, so anyway, when I, I went to start, I think we started in September and um, it was it was great. I We had decided that I was actually around the same time we we're going to start a family, um, my husband and I. And we thought oh, it was actually a really good time, like while I'm in business school to start the family, I was taking the hybrid program mm-hmm. and I thought, OK, so this is this is how I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to go hybrid. I can start the family at the same time. It won't be like wasting time. I won't have downtime in my career because I'll be learning and whatever. Got pregnant end of September. It happened like quite a bit faster than I had expected. Um,
0: of year one of business school. Of year,
1: yeah, started early September of business school, got pregnant end of September. And then really had this, this moment where I went, I had been sitting on this idea. So I had two ideas actually that I'd been sitting on. And, and um, one was what is now today, I think it's called Zola, but it's a, a wedding registry. I had a personal experience when I got married that... I was forced to register at like Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, there wasn't a lot of multi-brand places to register for a wedding. And I wasn't really going to be having fine china in my short term life, you know. Okay. And so I was like, I don't I don't want these things that I'm forced to register for. But I actually need cash because I'm young and I'm broke, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's weird to to ask people for cash. So I went and I registered to Bed Bath & Beyond because at this time they let you return everything for cash. Okay. And so I used to go, this is like so embarrassing, but I'm just going to go full with full this. <laughs> I you. used to go to different Bed Bath & Beyond locations to return all my gifts. It wasn't against the policy, but if you went a little too crazy, they'd <laughs> kind of like look at you side eye. So I used to space it out between different Bed Bath and & Beyond and I got cash back. And I was like, this is the dumbest process. There should be a, a like a registry that has either things I really want or has the option to just give me cash yeah, that can Yeah, I'm, use I'm, I'm a starter.
0: Along. We're a starter family. We need liquidity.
1: Exactly. I'm like, I need a couch, not a <laughs> charger. You know what I mean? And so this was so this was one idea I had, and, and I'm really happy that someone else solved that problem because it was a problem. And and this sleepwear gap was another one. And Mm -hmm. I really battled between the two of them. And I ended up at Luna because I felt um, that I liked this idea that I was gonna have a longer term relationship with my customer. Mm. Because when you get, hopefully get married once, you know is, what I mean? Is, yeah, I
0: mean, it's the goal, right? Yeah, yeah, so that should be a, yeah. It's not an evergreen product. Not
1: an evergreen relationship. And so I thought, well, OK, so now I'm going to be in a constant acquisition cycle. I can't really develop a customer relationship here. At Lunia, I was like, this is a really great problem to solve because I can mm. also have a long term customer relationship. And that was exciting to me. It allowed me to play a more meaningful long term uh, part of somebody's experience. So anyway, what happened was I got pregnant and I went, it's now or never. And I felt it. I felt like if I don't start my business now, I'm going to have a kid. And all of a sudden, like I'm going to have less time than I do now. And I was actually super right, which I don't know how I got so lucky to be right because I didn't know anything about kids. But I, so I- They don't come with a manual. They don't come with a manual. Mm -hmm. And I was not like the kid, that the person that like babysat a lot. So I really didn't know. But I just had this sense that like, this was the moment. If I was going to do it, I should do it. And part of the motivation for me was that The thing that was holding me back was not that it wasn't a good business idea. It was a good business idea, but I was afraid. Um, And we talked earlier about Mm -hmm. confidence, but fear was holding me back. And I realized that at the end of the day, once I have kids, it'd be far worse to have to tell my kid that I didn't do the things that I dreamed of than that I did the things that I dreamed of and I failed. Because at least I tried then, you mm-hmm. know, and I, what is the example I want to set for my kids? So weirdly, I ended up doing all these things. I started the business in October. So it literally was like business school, early September, found out I was pregnant late September, started the business in October. That's a big month. It was a big, yeah, big period. Weeks, it was big, whatever. That's what it was. And and uh, and so that was never my intention, but that is what happened.
0: Okay. So if we go back and dig up your admission essays, none of that was in there. None
1: of that was in there. No. And I actually remember what was in there was like totally nothing like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We've noticed that sometimes what we think we're gonna do and what we do
1: yes yeah. life is a journey
0: so so it all just kind of came together sort of an hour never yes I love the idea of model I, I think of it in terms of model what I want my kids yes. to yes and, and and then you you talk about confidence and you know it, it is this moment in history where there are all these websites you can get all this entrepreneurial That's right uh, you can get the words you can get the flowcharts you totally. can get connections but you can start a business
1: on Shopify like tomorrow. You know anybody can. It's a really low barrier to entry in a lot of ways.
0: Yes, is the MBA way to say it. Yes, but confidence is one of those things you can't get off a website.
1: No, and confidence was was really one of the gifts of business school, and I say that not trying to be biased here on this. Uh, but I we talked about this earlier, which is you know for me right. it wasn't like I went to accounting class and that was the gift it gave me. It was feeling like I had I could wrap my head around. Business terminology, basic, you know, um, the, the sort of basic structures of business, mm-hmm. leadership. I had enough knowledge walking out of here of a broad um, set of business practices and 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 necessities, sort of foundational business, that I felt like. I could show up in a room of business people mm-hmm. and and get the jargon and speak the language with them and be okay. And it was that more than anything where I feel like the value really helped me. Nice, you
0: know? nice. And you, as we were talking also earlier, so so you've been going along and now you kind of got a little hockey stick going. So we got a of, hockey stick, a lot of growth. So so what's it like the last couple of years with Lunya? Because yeah, you're bringing on a lot of new people, you're opening new locations. Yeah. What 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 absorbs your attention now? <sighs>
1: Everything. And now my kids are five and six, so also that. But, um, you know, so I would say with Lunia um, and Lago, uh, early days was it was actually delivering. I did a lot of output, you know, how many, like, actually creating the work, doing the work, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then as a company gets bigger, my job changes a lot. And now I have to figure out how do you create a culture that can scale and how do you um, excite and inspire people to move together in the right direction? Um, These are new challenges for me you know I got good at sort of like okay I can how much can I put on my back and like carry up a hill you know you do that for a long time as an entrepreneur and um I think almost longer than you think because we read so many stories about these like explosive tech company does this thing overnight it's it was a long road of carrying things up a hill and then and I was until really a year ago no not even a year ago like six months ago, I, it was me and a, a a good amount of directors and then a, a number of junior people. And so I just recently got additions to my C team, which just tells you how long I had to go kind of before I felt like comfortable we're, financially hiring in
0: 2020. So yeah. this is October of yeah. 2012. So it's seven and a half years later. That's
1: right. And I, and I finally got to have these sort of senior level business partners. And I get to learn a lot from them too, because one thing that's interesting is You know, a lot of the people you hire in as your C team are people that come in with sophisticated skill sets. They've worked at other big companies in these roles. I'm generally not hiring somebody and giving them a title up. I'm going, oh, you've been a COO before? great, come be a COO at Lunia. I'm expecting them to come in with best practices and how to, how to run things. Nice. And I'm mm-hmm. also expecting to learn from them. And so I think that, you know, for a lot of people that might be coming in, even for an MBA, who might be, I want to be the people that are brought on to mm-hmm. help someone run their business. I think like, you know, I find myself hiring a lot of people that have come from, well-known organizations because they come in with best practices mm-hmm. and and i also am looking for someone with a very open mindset i want you to come in with your best practices but also be completely fluid about it to look around and go does that best practice make sense in this you know in this environment and which ones should i keep and which ones should i forget but it's been really great for me and i get to learn a lot from the the team that i've been able to bring in so big cha- big, big changes from me personally in terms of like what does it mean to run Lunia now versus what it meant even a year ago? Um, but yeah, for the for the company in general, you know, we're we have like a team, we have multiple departments and lots of people in each departments. So, I mean, and it's a whole different ball game.
0: Forty five in Santa Monica, thirty nine. Yeah, because you have what, four locations: Los Angeles, New York.
1: So we we have, gosh, we have so three locations, but I have probably another five leases signed. So we're wow. in a pretty rapid brick and mortar expansion plan. Um, And so we're hiring in many different states and that that process. But everything was
0: online for the first iteration. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Four or five years.
1: Yeah. We're fundamentally a direct to consumer online business.
0: Now, do you have a background in fashion? How did how did you bridge the gap? Okay, I I see there's something about women's wear that could be better. Yeah. How do you go from that to I mean, do you do design? How do do you do manufacturing? How do you like? how did you. This is the entrepreneurial mindset. I think someone who is not yet an entrepreneur is, how do they know how to pull all this together?
1: Yeah. Um, so I just took my like strengths finder. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. And it was so funny because like the top five for me were um, catalyst, uh, problem solver. Uh, I don't I don't remember all of them, but they were like, yeah, catalyst, problem solver, brainstormer, brainstormer. Um, optimist, these kinds of things. So I'm like, actually, I'm realizing now that, that I it makes sense almost that I did this. But I, you don't know that at the time, you know. And actually, I had my husband, who's also an entrepreneur, do the test too. And we had quite a, a bit of overlap there. So I'm like, oh, these might be just like attributes. But um, I think it's how you see problems, right? So I okay. didn't know how to do anything in fashion. My background was not in fashion. Um, and I often think if you love fashion, that you should, if you're like, I love product design or something you should work for somebody else's company Mm. it doesn't mean that you should go create your own business i love business like i've always loved business um i'm the kind of person that would be you know that i I would be driving down the road and be like you know if if this kind of store was here it would make so much sense because i feel in this moment that i have a need to to you know this kind of store i think like there's such an opportunity like I do see the world in terms of business opportunity, problem solving. And so for someone to go, oh, you know, you don't know how to make clothes. I went, right, I just don't know yet. Let me figure that out, you know? Wow. And and I think- Which um, kind
0: of circles back to confidence. Confidence.
1: And I didn't, by the way, that's been something I've, I've been able to gain over time. Like in a lot of ways, the process of getting an MBA, starting Lunia, it's it's really a process of proving to yourself what you're capable of, mm. you know? And so for me, this whole process has really given me a sense of, um, uh, yes, personal self-confidence, self-belief in whats what, is, what I, I'm capable of. And I think through that, it makes you be less afraid of, of problems. And also, I, I tell my team this all the time, but easy things mean we're not pushing hard enough. Mm-hmm. And if we're not pushing hard enough, it means other people can do it. You know, and so I look at it and go, if something's hard, if the answers aren't immediately available, that might mean I have a good idea, you know,
0: that's, that's a great way to frame a challenge.
1: Well, the, the, you said this earlier, which is challenges will be in whatever you do, mm-hmm. right? However, whatever, whether you, it doesn't matter the job you take, this is going to be the nature of it. And for me, like when I hire people often, I the first process, is I try to get them to want to work for me. My next step is trying to get them to not work for me and see how easy I can convince them out of it because the reality is I try to tell them all the, the ugly things that they're gonna find when they okay. come work for me, which is, hey, we're not a big company. There's not clear, your job is gonna change. Six months from now, it'll be completely different. Are you comfortable with that? You're gonna work with tons of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable with that? I'm gonna be looking to you for huge personal growth out of you and that's just so that you can like stay at the level of the company. Are you okay with that? I mean, I'm like trying to discourage them almost mm-hmm. out of it because. It's the reality of small, fast-growing companies are good places for people that in general view problems as opportunities. But I think, and that's not coming from the entrepreneur, that's everyone that works for me too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, the culture starts at the top. It does. Yeah. It
1: does. And you know what? I have a list of problems that is like a mile long, even still, as we gain traction. So it's just, if if that ultimately was going to be something that would knock us down. We would just never, we'd never get it done. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: I, as I was doing my homework for our interview, I found one of your essays online where you talked about one of the lessons you learned about not settling for a life. You called it a life raft hire. And I just love that turn of phrase. I'd never heard that. Yeah. Cause it so paints a picture. It's like, I need a person. You're a person. Boom. That's right. And then you got the downstream problem of not the right competency, not the right fit. Yes. Tell us about hiring. Yeah. Hiring and hiring. Yeah. You know, hiring to fit your culture and, and to fit the where you're going. I yeah. Guess.
1: Well, look, I've made a lot of mistakes. Okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> Learn in, the hard way. in general with my whole business, I think the way I've learned is by, you know, I say like hit, I've hit every branch on the way down. Like that is just <laughs> how I have learned. It's painful. Um, and so I say that because I think a lot of people feel like when they're starting a business, am I doing this wrong? This cannot possibly be this painful. And I'm like, no, it, it is. It actually okay. is. Okay. Um, and so for me, I made a lot of wrong hires. Early on, I made hire. I've also made a lot of good hires. Of course. I, I I mean, yeah. I'll go ahead and say that because I have wonderful people that work for me. But I think I've learned the most from actually the bad, the not the bad hires. The, the hires that were not a good fit for no, the company. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've learned a lot about what I did wrong in that process and how I maybe needed to more clearly articulate what um, successful candidates would look like at Lunia. So what I have learned, I actually I don't read a ton of the business books, uh, mainly because when I get home at night, I'm like okay, it's it's long day. Like I need to have like 10 minutes where my brain doesn't have to be on. But I did read Good to Great and one of there is like sort of two aspects of that book that I liked. One is the Hedgehog principle, which I do recommend to a lot of people who are starting early stage businesses just to decide if the idea is worth truly worthwhile. And remind
0: um, us of that if people haven't.
1: Yeah, the hedgehog principle is is sort of like uh, make sure you have passion for an idea, which is the obvious one. I always see people show up with passion. Make sure you have a, a business model, though. Like mm-hmm. you can make money. And some, I, I, you'd be surprised how many things I see where I'm like, what's your plan for making money?
0: Well, I haven't got to that point. Yeah. Yet. Um, but I got passion. I,
1: yeah, exactly. And then the other one is make sure there's very clear differentiation. Mm-hmm. And I'm summarizing, I'm probably not using the perfect words, but basically, what is it that? Is special about your business, so and you in particular doing this that like other people can't just do. Why are you uniquely positioned to do mm-hmm. this business? Um, and and I think those are really great questions. I can feed through, sift through most early businesses that come to me using that. If you're really willing to scrutinize and, and maybe have true ideas, you know, poke true holes in your business, that would be a really great uh, mechanism to use. The other thing I liked though, and getting back to the hiring piece from that book, is where they talk about setting values. What are the things um, that you kind of as a company, as an employee base, as a you know, like the way you operate that um that are the the non-negotiables? Like mm. what do you need in your people? And what I like about it is almost every company sets values, but he talked about don't set aspirational values, set real ba- values based mm. on who has succeeded and who hasn't. And so when I looked around, as we've had people that have and haven't fit, especially people that haven't fit, I've kind of iterated on my values and I've been able to get clearer on what is the personality that that really thrives here and what nice. doesn't. And so I think for me, like, it's one of the things I recommend to people are what are the attributes that you want to see in people or that not even aspirationally, but that you you think will be successful at your company and make sure you're really, really filtering out for those. Um, because those are usually the things that make or break you. It's not like the person's skill set so much, because if, some, if you're hiring somebody they, for a certain skills job, they probably have the skills, but it's probably going to break down in the way they work more Mm -hmm. than anything, you know. Do they communicate well? Do they have, do they see problems as opportunities? Like whatever that looks like at your company, I think those are the things where things break down. So um, from my standpoint, that's been a a learning lesson is just being clear on the values and what you're looking for. But back to the life raft hire, which is uh, the problem with businesses that grow really fast, and both my husband and I have been through this, uh, is that you realize you have a gap, like, oh, I kind of need this person. And then three months later, you have an emergency. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, I kind of needed that person. I'm trying not to overspend. So I'm kind of waiting on that hire to make sure I don't pay before I absolutely have to. And then by the time you've done that, you were like, I'm desperate now. And then if the job takes a while to find the right person, you're way in the land of, you're you're drowning in the ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been there quite a few times and they're like, there's, there's sort of scary moments. Um, and I've made some bad hires from that place where sometimes someone comes in and they're like, you're doing too much. Let me take these things off your plate. You shouldn't have to do these things at all. Like I can make these problems go away. And you're like, Oh my God, please, (laughs) please give me the life raft. Yes. And then you say yes. And then they come in and you realize that you were desperate Mm -hmm. and that was a desperate choice. And so that's one of those things that, um, I now bring a lot of other people in the room in positions where I particularly feel desperate Mm -hmm. just to make sure that I'm not that that my desperation isn't isn't making the decision for me. Um, and getting better about pre-planning about hires. So like now when I do my projections with, the, uh, with my new amazing C team, I'm, I'm, we're pre-planning what is the next three years gonna look like in terms of revenue? What are the needs that we're gonna have um, in terms of personnel? And we're just so much more thorough now. And so we're really not gonna get caught off guard probably by any really big gaps. Uh, and so that's also incredibly helpful.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. I hope you're enjoying. This is a real person who went to UCLA Anderson, launched the company and now, you know, this is what it's like. You know, 5 7 years into the into sure. the game, these are the these are the challenges, but these are the quality problems that come with Success. Yeah,
1: it's totally. And I'm not, grateful for these problems. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're not bootstrapping it. It's not you yeah. and two people in a garage. No. Wow. I mean, 45 people in Santa Monica, cheapest place in the world totally, to do business. Totally. Just, just, you know, California. We're no, I dream of moving
1: <laughs> that business to Texas like every other day. Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. Texas would love to hear that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, I want to talk about NACO and the deep. Yeah. Two other things you're in charge of, but let's go out of sequence for a second. So let's okay. go back to business school.
1: Okay.
0: But One of the things that I really wanted to capture on film is. You were one of the trusting 35 people in the fall of 2012 who said yes, when we when faculty approved our hybrid, we called it flex, we call it yeah. hybrid now. Uh, the faculty approved that, I think in February, they told us in March, we put it on the website in April. Yeah. We were marketing a brand new schedule with no materials, which is, uh, it's going to be great. Thank you for trusting us. Yeah. So you did trust us, but what was it like to kind of be part of the academic launch of what for us was a brand new pedagogy?
1: Yeah, I, I'm like, such an advocate of the hybrid program. I think, particularly for people that are maybe more senior in their career, mm-hmm. where maybe stepping out of the workplace or y- you isn't really on the table for you. Or if you have a if you have a senior job, even doing a part-time program is probably going to put too much work on the table. And so I loved it because it really made it possible to do other things at the same time. It was a long program, and that's the sort of caveat to it, but I think for what I needed, it was really great. It also made it possible for me to have a family at the same time, which is another key thing.
0: Which, But you didn't even know that your story is so like,
1: wow. I can't believe that all happened at the same time. And it's not something I recommend to people. Um, I actually have a funny story. I remember calling uh, Dean Olean at the time when I was in, uh, I, was, I was maybe two thirds of the way through the program. And I was like, uh, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to I'm not going to graduate.
0: Oh, can't get to the finish can't line. Can't
1: get okay. to the finish line. I was like if I'm looking if I have to prioritize between my kids and business school and my business, I don't know how I'm going to get to the finish line of of this school. And um it was the most amazing thing because she she was like, "Oh, yes you are." You know, and it was awesome. And she's like, "Okay, so what we need to do is figure out you're learning so much doing your business. Let's figure out how to align the work that you're doing for your business in your classes a bit more. And she was really, really smart about how I could leverage the classes to really to, now this to support is
0: dean my business. This is a dean of this is like my boss's boss historically. So you yeah. just called her? you, reached, you in I, her I, leadership class? I or?
1: don't remember how I ended up contacting her Um I don't remember exactly the context of it, but I did have her email and it was sort of like a Hail Mary kind of thing. I was me. like, I was like, I guess this is it for me. Um, and I'm wow. super bummed uh, because I love what I'm learning, but I just like, I'm going to lose my mind. I mean, uh, and I learned after, I was actually a little bit postpartum. So I, I had like all these things, there was hormones, there was all things going on, which like, I just, I just was underwater. And and what I love- Which is she, happens in, I think
0: most people's MBA. If you go to a top right. tier school- it's the part nobody wants to talk about, but these things are not easy.
1: No, and and you know, we, I think that people coming are generally, particularly in the hybrid program, because you, I do think like you we were getting a slightly older class than even right. like the general business school. Um, which I have to say I'm an advocate for. I loved it because I learned a lot from the professors, but I also learned a lot from my peers because they were showing up as senior leaders in different organizations. They had a lot of life experience to share. And so I, I actually walked away being like, oh, I'm so glad even for that reason that I was a part of it. But most of us were juggling kids and jobs and business school. So I think as you start looking at hybrids, I think it was a really great fit me and even at that it was stressful but it was like i couldn't have there was no way i would have been able to do it in any other I way I think
0: when we did the surveys of your your class three years later because we yes. wanted we wanted two data points learning outcomes yes which for you, you guys were smart you did the same or better than your 100 percent on-campus peers okay and then student satisfaction okay and again it was the same or better okay great and the the subcategory that or the sub question that was so amazing to us was I think it was, 8 I'm pretty sure this is accurate, 80% of your cohort yeah. said, I would not have been able right. without hybrid.
1: That's right. And we were,
0: wow. So these these weren't just, we didn't just take people out of our historical Saturday schedule. These were people for whom business school just couldn't-
1: Couldn't have worked. Couldn't yeah. have happened. I, and, that, and I think I sensed that in a lot of my peers, when I uh, met a lot of my peers, I, they were- you know running big jobs and, and and had families and they were juggling a lot so i that doesn't surprise me at all um but yeah i called her and and actually it was uh, one of the things that came out of it is i ended up doing one of the global programs mm-hmm. because global was sort of an efficient way to get a big set of you like a, a bunch of units done and so it, it sent me to turkey i think it was turkey no it sent me to hong kong I went to Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Okay. Hong Kong for like seven days, and, um, and you're a
0: mother with two young children. I was, so That wasn't easy.
1: I was also seven months pregnant at the time. Oh, oh, oh this with is my second you, okay, kid. This was second pregnancy. Yeah, okay. so I was pregnant twice and had two kids in business school, um, and so it was on the second one. I told one you I, I wanted you to meet yeah. Ashley. She's a. It was. It was. She's a unicorn. Yeah, like I said, not something I recommend <laughs> to a lot of people, um, but it was cool. I just thought it was amazing that that she was committed to my education too. That mm-hmm. was what I thought was really amazing was I really wanted it. She knew I wanted it. I just, I was like hitting a breaking point and, and she recognized, uh, like she was able to help me creatively problem solve and it was, it was a game changer and I made it to the end zone and I did get an MBA and I think, you know, I'm so, gl- I'm so glad I made it through that. And, and so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm nothing but really positive things to say about that hybrid program.
0: And we have and we miss Judy. She's now running. She's the president of Quinnipiac. So as, as we come into election season 2020, when we start to hear the Quinnipiac polls, every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, it's
1: Judy's There well. she is. Yes, I totally. Our,
0: our famous dean, Olean.
1: Yes. So. Well, but you've been there the whole time, too. Actually, I've emailed you many times the year. I think what's really cool is like I did walk away with some relationships with the faculty here. And I think that's that's really fun. That's very different than undergrad experiences generally.
0: Well, and and this is in process, so we'll be respectful of the journey, but you've recommended this to a a sibling, right? That's
1: true. My sister is applying for this year. So Um, we're
0: excited to read her application.
1: Yeah, I I, because I I think my takeaway from it was, especially knowing what she wanted out of of her career growth, was it it is a great place to get generalized business knowledge if you want to get to that next place in your career and also to build confidence, Mm -hmm. you know, and so depending on what a person needs, if those are the things that they need, then this is a really great way to get it. Certainly that's what I told her.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, we appreciate the referral. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, so now you're, so two of your other, you're a principal with NACO and you're the CEO and co-founder of The Deep. So tell people about those parts of your life. Sure. Where you get the time. I do not know.
1: Well, I have a good team. So that's the beautiful thing. It's not me in a room anymore with Lunia pushing that ball up the hill. Uh, And so what happened, so I'm going to kind of, I'll speak to the two of them separately. Um, so NACO3 is, um, a, fa- our family office, which is now a vehicle for what we say is, is kind of elevating the world through capital investments or philanthropy. And, um, and so that looks like, you know, investing in companies that might be making biodegradable straws like lollyware, or, um, I, I mean, there's a, a quite an array, healthy food investments. We've done, it's a, it's a really big array of, of um, uh, companies that we've invested in. And so what I think, because both my husband and I are entrepreneurs, we're big believers that entrepreneurs help change the world mm-hmm. uh, they're they're willing to stay up all night like we have both. he and i have both experienced and and see problems as opportunities and we have a lot of problems and so we really love this idea of how do we empower people who are trying to create businesses um, that are going to make macro change on, on the world uh, through capital it's it's such a great way of, of doing it and so we've really enjoyed the investing process there and then um, and then also on the philanthropy side, same thing. Actually, I have a very similar lens uh, in philanthropy that I would in in for-profit investing and in that I'm always looking to them about, you know, give me your business plan. I want to see results. It's, it's you're accountable in the very same way that I would hold someone accountable on the business side, which is I know oftentimes not totally how philanthropy goes. So sometimes they look at me a little bit like I'm an alien, but uh, but we do <laughs> have good accountability. Activity. Yes.
0: But I, I mean, well, yeah, well it's great to mean well. And I want to help you actually see that. Results. manifest. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's always results for me. I'm like, and that's actually a conversation I've had with my sister who comes from the philanthropy world is I'm like, I need people in philanthropy that speak to me like a business person, because at the end of the day, capital It's finite. And Mm -hmm. so I have to choose where am I putting that? I want to put it in a place that's going to magnify the return, either in terms of giving me more capital or in terms of doing more good. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm comparing you against other investments, prove to me that you're the best investment. It's literally the sort of same same world, but it's not because it often pulls on heartstrings. It's not always run that way. And Mm -hmm. so this is one of those things where, uh, you know, I think we, we take a slightly different approach and that's, sort of how Nako 3 thinks about it. And then The Deep. Um,
0: this one was fascinating. I was on this website today. Oh, this is
1: fun. It's crazy. Yes. So um, The Deep came about because uh, I've done a lot of... It's, so running a business has been interesting. It's exposed me to a broad set of people, both in terms of employees and customers. And I think as as we've started investing more broadly and trying to figure out how to make change in the world, um, every everything you do kind of, sends you down the road to solving another problem. You know, it's, it's never as simple as you'd like. It's almost like an onion, you know, when you're trying to go, how do I solve education in, in poor neighborhoods here? Uh, we went, oh man, okay, let's, let's see if we can give money to schools. And we're like, actually, it's not the money problem. It's the how we're spending the money problem. We're like, okay, so how do I solve this? It's like, it pushed us into politics, things we never thought we were going to be getting involved in, but we wanted to solve the downstream problems and realized we had to keep going upstream. Um, and so one of the, the interesting things that came up for me was realizing that there was a bit of a, um, a lack of uh, intellectual curiosity for people. Um, when I look at the the polarization that's happening today in America, I mean, we can see it like front and center with our politics, right? It's um, you have people that almost can't talk to each other anymore. Mm. We don't understand how to compromise. We don't have empathy for people with different points of view. And we're sort of not willing to engage in those conversations. In many cases, people get scared if I want to talk about politics. Now, that's not how it's always been. Right. Uh, but we're in a place now where we can't We we don't even, we're afraid. Like, Mm -hmm. what if you see something different than me? I don't want to have that conversation. I think that is the detriment of society. To me, it's, you know, and I think maybe as a business person, I'm going, there's no right solution to basically any problem. And the second you start to go, okay, now I'm going to have to entertain areas of gray and be open and be willing to work towards problem solving. And that might mean compromising certain things. uh, People freak out about that. But that's not, to me, that's, that's, that's smart, right? And and I think that people that are um, willing to be philosophical, and I, I think there's so much opportunity there. So this sounds kind of complicated and convoluted, but what we really realized was that asking questions is a really fun way for people to figure out what they actually stand for. Mm. If I ask you something controversial, like, you know, and I do not, you don't have to answer this. I realize this is not the right context for this, but it's like, oh, how do you feel about abortion? Mm-hmm. You have an opinion on abortion. Almost everybody has an opinion on abortion. But if we actually started asking questions, uh, the underlying questions on, you know, how do you value life? Are some lives more valuable than others? How do, when does life begin? It, actually, then we can have a really interesting conversation, mm-hmm. you know? And I realize that that is true among Ton of topics, which are typically seen as really polarizing topics, mm-hmm. and you can get people in a room and have people that have very different points of view that are willing to engage on the deeper philosophical conversation. So, um, my my co-founder Kate and I have basically come up with these series of questions that people are loving to take, and you can you can uh, check it out. It's the Deep Life on Instagram, um, and there's a newsletter also, so you can subscribe to that. But Basically on Instagram stories, you go through a series of questions and the questions are super fun because you get to the end and you're like, I thought I knew how I felt about the subject, but now I don't know anymore. And I'm like questioning who I am and who I thought. And I think it it's good to question. and And so... It's been really, really fun. It's a bit of a passion project. It's not one of those things that I'm like, I have the clear ROI and the market capital. It feels good in the world though, because I feel like it's giving the world a little bit of something that it really needs. Um, So it's been really fun.
0: My my phrase is, you know, I like the United States of America. I like that first word. Yes. Like what in the world happened? When did we just give up on United, no. like, let's not give up on United. This,
1: yeah, well, this... then it's all, then it's all over, right? It's like we can't even be together, and it's almost like running a company, right? You mm. need you need values to align on. You need to be able to be flexible, and you, mm. you know you you're, you need to be united in solving a problem. It's it's a, one of those like really horrible things that they say, like when you go to war, the countries become very united, mm-hmm. and so because you have this sort of common, common cause, yeah. and and I think that that's I don't want it to take that. You know, I want us to be able to feel like we can connect with each other without needing disasters to, to unify us, you know? Yes, nothing
0: brings us together like an asteroid. <laughs> yeah, or
1: we talk about this, my husband and I talk about this, and we're like, well, you know, the one thing that would bring us together is aliens. Like, for once, we would all be on the same team, you That's know? That's
0: it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. America, right? Like, democracy, it's the worst form of government except for all the alternatives <laughs> for true. Winston Churchill. So. Yeah. Like, let's just let's just be grateful for what we built it's and true. keep and keep building it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever.
1: Exactly. You didn't
0: ask for that, but that's where I am. On yeah. That. Um, let's see. So this is a little bit out of secrets. I, I loved this. Uh, just we mentioned it and it's a little bit back to entrepreneurship. But sure. when you talk to people who are considering an MBA or you talk to people who are considering being an entrepreneur, I think you could even answer the question, you know, you, how you kind of counsel people about, well, what kind of life do you want? What problems do you want to mm-hmm. solve? Because what I love about your story that I would love to convey is um, I think confidence captures it. It's one thing to have a great idea, wonderful. It's another thing to then align twelve hours a day for seven years right. against the manifestation of that without sacrificing commitments to a marriage to Kids, to children yeah. to the deep you know to a yeah. passion. Like let's also have a societal. So you know just a little bit deeper because you, you have the credibility of you've been doing it. Yeah. And I'd love people to hear from someone who it's not an idea for you.
1: Yeah. Um, so at Lunia, one of our pillars is Ikigai. Is, I'm a, sorry. Ikigai.
0: ikigai. It's a
1: Japanese word. Okay. Okay, I like, um, don't am I worry. Doing? I'm not missing anything here. It's, it's not a like familiar word. Um, and it's uh, there's a, if you Google it, there's some okay. great diagrams online and they have these intersecting circles. Mm. Um, and what I like about it is it's kind of this idea that you should find joy in your life by having a skill set, like something that you like to do, something that you're good at. Something that you can get compensated for mm. and something that the world needs. And oh, that, that essentially yeah. if you could identify those things and you can kind of pinpoint what's at the middle, that's that's where you should spend your you'll find your the most world, happiness. Where
0: the worlds overlap where the, what you're yes. good at, what you like, what the world needs. And unfortunately
1: for a lot of people who are searching right now or trying to figure out what to do, it's not like you end up with firefighter at the middle, right? You don't end up with a profession. You end up with when I spend my day doing X. I feel joy, right? So for me, what was at the center was creative um, challenge.
0: Mm. Creative
1: challenge is the thing that lights me up. And if I don't have it, I mean, that's as true entrepreneurs you can have, right? Is like, then I'm, I'm not someone, I don't like, even scaling is kind of like starting to get outside of my my zone, right? It's not, but I like building, creating, breaking things down and ripping apart. I'm, I'm catalyst with my number one thing, you know? So it, So I think one of those things is like understanding who you are, what gives you joy um, and not trying to, you know, not reading Forbes and being like, I want to be the person whose face is on the cover of this. That's not the right motivation. That's not the motivation that will Get you there, you know, because it's 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 not deep enough when you realize what the day to day is. If you don't like the day to day of it, you won't find joy in it. It'll be hard to be successful
0: or sustain and
1: sustain. Right. And so that this is that aspect of finding joy. And then I also ask people it's it's that question of like, what kind of life do you like? Do you want? Um, because I also think you have to be realistic about the trade offs of whatever you want to do and not saying you can't do one thing or the other, but you know, I have trouble having, you know, when people have, have lots of kids, they have trouble working at a startup. I'm just going to be honest, like the hour requirements a lot. And, um, and it's not that I have people there crazy hours, but it's, it's an, it's an ownership mindset, right? It's, it's, it's not like, it's not the easiest place to try to balance all your things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that you will be happier if you really are able to know yourself and i think this is again why like the deep and these kind of things are out there which is don't ha- don't take this this idealized version that people have been handing out of what good looks like really be introspective about what good looks like for you what do you like to do on the day to day what is what is success going to be for you and and try to separate what you think from that Maybe the the loud voices around you. Um, that's why I say when people, I see a lot of people that because I'm in fashion, I get a lot of business ideas for people in fashion. And I'm like, you're a designer. You want to start a fashion company. Generally, what you're going to be spending your time doing is managing people. Which is and strategy, which is not, which is not what deserved. you like. So it's like, and I don't like to, I'm not trying to discourage people out of entrepreneurship, but I want them to be real with themselves. It's like, is what you're actually telling me you want control and that you want to, and you want to be a designer? I'm like, that sounds like a creative director to me, you know. So mm-hmm. maybe you need to figure out what's the path to being a creative director somewhere, or or an art director, or whatever that looks like. But it's 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 you know, I think you have to be very very clear with yourself so that you don't end up somewhere that you can't be successful and you're not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I do like to do that. And then let's say you get you go through all those exercises and you're like, I am the perfect fit for being an entrepreneur. Awesome. I also think you have to be careful that you don't start businesses that you uh, that are things you like, but they're things that the world needs and mm-hmm. there is true demand for. Um, I get a lot of deals that that come to me where it's something where they they love they love something. Maybe they they feel like they're the right person to start X business and they feel passion for it, but. You got to have a business model. There Mm -hmm. has to be a plan to make money. There has to be demand out there. There should be a market opportunity, a gap in the market that you're solving. Don't do a me too business unless you have some really, really strong reason why yours is going to be differentiated in the market. So I I think when it comes down to it, I I tell people it's like start a business, but start it for the right reasons because you're the right person to do it because it's going to give you the life you want and because there's a really good problem for you to solve that has market opportunity that goes along with it.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 not like we want you to come to Anderson with your entrepreneurial balloon and we're going to burst it. No. Unless the very best thing for your life is to burst right. it. Right. Because like why waste a decade when it fundamentally never had a chance to get off the ground? That's right. And, and critical thinking is a part of the MBA. And yeah. We talked about confidence and there is, this is a toolkit for, here's, here's, Boom, here's life. Yes. Here's the complexity. Right. Somewhere in there is my passion, somewhere in there is is a hunch. Yeah. Great. There's a long way from that to sustainable success. Yes. And why not surround yourself with critical thought partners? I love even when you say yourself, I maybe am not scalable. Well, that right. fits, didn't you just hire a brand new COO yeah. from outside? I or, did.
1: I did, and your, that's your right. C-team.
0: So that let, let them operationalize and bring their best practices.
1: I think you have to figure out what you're good at. Like, I know what I'm good at. I love breaking things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm good, put me on the creative team and I'll make sure things are fresh and new all the time. I love nurturing the talent there. I love working with them. It lights me up, it's really great. And I like business strategy. Leading people, is not necessarily my, I, I like leading them from a visionary place. Like, here's where we're okay. going to go and when strategy can inspire. Managing people on the day-to-day, it's not my core strength. It wasn't mm-hmm. even my top five strength builder, you know? And and so some people, they feel really damaged by that. Like, oh, I, I I I don't. I go, what are the things I'm good at? There's things that I'm good at that other people aren't good at. I'm going to lean into those things. And I will hire people that are really good at the things I'm not. And we can all feel really good about that. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to totally harp on confidence, except I hear so much talking to people who are considering an MBA. I, it's it's something that, I think it's like, it's a human deficit. Yeah. You know, none of us got sure. enough when we went through the line. And the confidence to say, I'm good at something, the other side of that coin is the confidence to say, I'm horrible at these other things. Yeah. Therefore, I am a request for partnership. You could do the accounting, I could do the marketing, yeah. whatever. If, you know, I think sometimes I always think the, the most arrogant people I meet are the most insecure people I meet. I of love course. it when I meet I people agree. who are humble enough sure, to say, you know, I'm not good at 32 things, but I'm yeah. good at three. Yeah. And I've built this incredible life by partnering for the deficits yes. and then dancing with my strengths. And
1: I think the best employees know that, too. Mm. Um, it's really frustrating when you get into a room with somebody and you're, you're like, we're identifying areas like gaps and and it becomes a defensive conversation yeah. and and it and maybe that's bad maybe that's so oh, i think i'm right and they're wrong i don't know but generally i'm not we have a very comprehensive feedback process that involves like the whole company in feedback and so usually they're not like a flippant my opinion is x it's usually like okay generally speaking here are the gaps and here are the strengths and these kinds of conversations so it's really tough when people aren't willing to be very self-aware about their gaps. And Mm -hmm. I think some of that comes from they need confidence from their leaders that they know like they can express their gaps and not get fired. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so- That's
0: tenor and tone. You set the culture. That's all
1: the thing, right? Of of course. And so, um, but but I do feel self-awareness is really helpful. I just heard recently one of my um, employees was, uh, one of my managers was saying that like one of the girls on her team came to her in her review with a list of things that she was going to improve on. And I'm saying this as advice to everybody who's working for somebody else. Oh, my gosh, how amazing that is. Like, if I don't have to sit here and list off the things that you need to work on, and instead you show up and you tell me things you want to work on, that's somebody who's going to go somewhere. Because you're self-aware, your growth mindset. You know, it's like you're easy to manage because I don't have to. It's not like, oh, this is going to be this most awkward conversation. Incredible. So that's really something that I think just a good takeaway if you work for somebody else. Show up, own your areas of weakness, and and give me your plan to success. You know.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, um,
1: <coughs> excuse me. Hmm.
0: So we're kind of coming to the end of our time together. Um, so I have one last question I want to ask, but before I do that, anything you know, sort of your choice, anything that you'd like to share? Uh, mostly, I think this is an audience of people who are either. Considering an MBA, they're already here. Yeah, you know they're friends of Anderson. Any, you know, I mean, this is a world of people who are growth mindset oriented, yeah. who are able to humbly say, "Wow, I'm aimed at this, but I can even aim higher." And yeah, I'm gonna give myself the education, the network, the confidence to do that. I don't know any. I just think you're a you're a you're an aspirational accomplished person and. You know, I think, you know, we talk about share success around here and it's a cliche, but it's I love it also. That's great. So Uh your choice. I
1: think I've said a lot of these sort of tidbits in here that are usually my MO on my advice for people. Um, I really would say put some time into knowing yourself would Mm -hmm. be my takeaway. and, And what really, truly is going to speak to you over the longer term so you can build a bit of a personal plan. I think it's interesting that for businesses we build mission statements and we build vision we build uh values but we don't always do these things for ourselves on the personal side so one of my thoughts is i i do think it can be so helpful if you you know to to figure out what you want in life and that way you show up to a job and you're not looking for it to fill all the gaps and answer all the questions for you You have a clear plan. Like your boss will thank you for that too, you know? Mm -hmm. Because if you come, if you show up and you're like, this is kind of what I want, and these are the skill sets I'm hoping to get from this job, and here's what I bring to the table. It's I mean, that's incredible. You're gonna not waste you're not gonna waste people's time. And then it's also good because I know where you wanna go. So my feedback and opportunities that that I'm gonna give you are gonna be tailored to where I think you wanna go. And if at you know, and even if that means at some point that there's going to be misalignment, like what the company needs and what you need are different. I also can be more honest with you about that, too, which is, hey, you've said you want to learn this thing. What I actually need is this. So now you have to make the decision. You know, do you want to do what I need done or do you want to go find something that is actually going to be on that roadmap that you want? But your clarity really helps. I think oftentimes people come to me looking for me to give them clarity. And, and it's really hard. I think that that that's the work, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and yeah, who's a con Anyway. Yeah. Who's accountable for my experience of life? I am. That's
1: exactly what I'm saying here. Yes. And that's why ikigai is one of our values, I'm like, you're accountable for your own joy. Like Mm -hmm. I expect you to show up here and be like positive. Not every day you can have a frown, but it's more just like generally like you're, you're positive about working here. It's just like, it's, it's a, if you don't want to work here, don't work here, but show, but my expectation is that you show up here and you feel good about it because you chose this job and it's doing the thing you like. And you're so lucky as to be able to get compensated to do the thing that you chose to do that you're good at, that you like. You know, and I, and I think that's where joy, I do think that's where joy comes from, but you have to know the answers to those questions before you can even find that job. You know?
0: Oh, that's great. That is excellent. Well, last question. This is one I've kind of been ending this year with, Sure. you know, this is a world full of product, productive people, you know, in yeah. a business school. So Um, And I think all of us are wrestling with the complexity. So, you know, like what's a productivity hack that's really working for you these days? And then the specificity, and you already answered the question earlier. I love to ask people, when does their day start?
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So um, productivity hack. I really do like Trello for personal mm-hmm. um for like life oh, for life, okay. life balance um we use Asana at our company now we started out on Trello but just as the teams get bigger you need more so- sophisticated project management so we use Asana on the company side but Trello I really like because I have to manage my life which mm-hmm. is multiple companies kids business just like things.
0: And for people who don't know Asana and Trello, these are suites of software that let you. How do you explain?
1: Yeah. Project management tools, basically. Yeah. So they help you kind of organize, prioritize. Again, it's sort of like my and as I'm listening to this conversation, I'm realizing that some of my theme here is bring the best practices that you have in your professional life into your personal life. Like mm. you project manage there. Right. So if you want to not feel like you're like your head spinning off, Bring some of those organizational best practices and prioritization techniques into your, your, you know, your home life. Cause your home and your your professional life, they are all your life together. That is your right. life. And so I really like Trello as a way to kind of help me keep track of things and not feel overwhelmed. Uh, so it's been a, a, a good one. And then the second question you asked was oh, when does, when does day my day start? You? So I usually wake up. I don't set an alarm or anything, but I tend to wake up around four and I do emails in bed from four to seven and then my kids wake up at seven and then that's the whole like getting everybody ready for school thing. Um, But that's the sad truth of the entrepreneurial life, especially Mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial mom's life, which is I have to find time in my day and that's where I'm getting it.
0: Yeah. My alarm is set for five. I woke up at four this week. Exactly. It's so funny because it it gets earlier. I don't know. I turn into a pumpkin about 930. I'm fall asleep watching basketball. Oh,
1: I can't even make it that late. I'm like kids go to bed and I'm like in bed 30 minutes later. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's yeah. Mine are 12 and seven. So it's a little bit older, but it's still with my seven year old. You know, it's the whole routine and the reading. Oh, yeah. and And it's precious time. It is. And, I, you know, at the start of every summer, my wife and I say, okay, this is the only summer we're going to have a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. Oh,
1: that's good. Just to kind of... Ground it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so so either we cherish this yeah. or we miss it. Our we, choice.
1: It's feeling different now that I have a 5- f- a and 6-year-old than it did when they were babies. I'm just not one of those people that love the baby stage. Some people do. I wasn't thrilled with it. Now I'm like in heaven.
0: They talk to me. Yeah. Oh. Right I mean, they, they respond. They're, they're little people. Their now.
1: Their yeah. perspective on the world has been incredible. Hearing their, you know, just everything they have to say, I'm I'm like eating it up. And so now it's really important from my perspective to try to figure out how to be, I hate this overused how to be present, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, I have enough work to fill 24 hours of every day, you know, seven days a week, but I just have to, at a certain point, decide that no, like, my phone's going to go off until the kids go to bed, you know, and I have mm-hmm. to make those sorts of decisions.
0: I So I I, I love your Judy Olian story. I didn't realize you were going to say that. One of the things I love to quote about her when she talked about her top 10 lessons in leadership. Yeah. It's one of her speeches that she would make. I loved her because she was so... She just was, she didn't candy Coke. No. And one of the things that I remember that she would say was, I think this idea of work-life family balance is a flat out myth.
1: It, it is if it's, you want to do all the things. Well,
0: it, she said, by contrast, I would call it work-life family trade-off.
1: Yes. And
0: She's right. And and I just, and I, I the first time I heard it, I think maybe we had like a very small child or something. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, don't. But, but it's I appreciated the, I appreciated the pragmatism of it because that's how I look at mm-hmm. it. Right. And, yeah. and I think that business school, A cliche I've been using is, you know, this is, you can be CEO of your own life. Yeah. And a CEO is always in a do or delegate Mm -hmm. decisioning. Yeah. And that's a trade-off.
1: It is. It's, I mean, not to get into somewhat controversial waters here, but this is, um, this connects to the the wage gap conversation, which Mm. people want to talk about a lot. And I find it, you know, here I'm a woman running a mostly female company, and I'll tell you that... um, the wage gap thing, and most women that I find that work for me that have more than one kid opt out of senior level positions. I'm a woman. It's not like I'm here I'm like making i'm a I'm not only a woman, I'm a mom. And I'm just telling you it's it's the reality of what I see. And so when people want to say, oh, it's it's blanketly sort of employers who are keeping women out of the top ranks, I'm like, it's that we haven't really figured out this this macro life balance thing. It is what I see. And you know what? I have trouble advocating for people who want a family and be like, oh, no, you should you should go the career path. I have trouble with that because I'm like, my kids are one of the most awesome things I've ever done. And I wouldn't want to advise somebody out of that kind of experience on one hand. But I also want to be really honest with them that, you know, you are either going to compromise pretty heavily or you should maybe even be thinking like, who are you marrying? What is their job? Is your job first, or is their job first? You can't both have jobs that come first if Mm -hmm. you're going to have kids. You know, these are the ugly conversations that I often tell people when they're, you know, thinking about getting married or whatever. It's just okay. You know, who's who's the? Because I think what's cool in this new world is it could be the woman, it could be the man, like it could be anybody. But it's like, who is that person? Because kids are they're a full time job. And with my husband and I, it's no. We've had we've made huge trade offs, and our kids. we're not with them as much as we would be in another situation and that is a real trade-off we've made. Um we were lucky my husband's company has uh he's gotten more flexibility as it's gone on and so now we're able to kind of balance it a little better but in the early days that was there was there was no balance.
0: And he also went through the startup yes. passion 15-hour yeah. day oh, journey of, of for course. a decade or
1: for a long yes, exactly, over a decade now, but it, it's gotten better recently, but it took a long time. You know, startups are yeah. I think they're generally not a short-term thing, even though we hear about, oh, three years, in and out. I think that's the that's the anomaly,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: I think you're, you're kind of buckling up for, you know, hopefully a decade of, of, of something so that it works.
0: Well, um, this has been a joy for me. This, uh, as I said, is Ashley Merrill, class of 2015, um, CEO and founder of LUNYA, and knock three, and the deep, and mother of two, and running a marriage, and running a company, and going into a into the hockey stick of of growth and hopefully, bringing,
1: where's the wood for me to knock on? Yeah, hey, you're bringing in your C team, you're hiring good people, you're it's, making arms length
0: transactions versus life raft. True, Hail that's Marys. true.
1: That is that's a game change.
0: So um, we'll put we'll put links at the bottom of the show notes with. Um, Links to Luna, it's, it's it's good looking wear. I mean, not like I'm any kind of fashion expert, but I Lago. look at that and go, oh,
1: I think my wife would love some of this. Lagos for you then, we finally got oh, some. No, no I'm for
0: my wife, but okay, I haven't even seen the logo side, I apologize. My, you're, you're
1: in the mix now, yeah. My
0: homework was was too shallow. No, so, it's all um, good. Thank you so much for coming in person and sharing your perspective and your journey and just being a shining example of a double Bruin out there making life
1: well, thank you. I'm proud to be a Bruin. Um, my husband's from the lesser school in town, and I never let him forget it. I I I've, I love this institution obviously enough that I came here twice. So there you yes. go.
0: There you
1: go. Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks.